Detailed news, unparalleled coverage. City News on 97.3 FM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umar Rusanda Amadou. And tonight, I'm here with... Akusia Ochre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Ose Chemesa Bonsu resigns as majority leader, bringing an end to days of rancor about the plan to reshuffle him. Was he pushed or he jammed? Those who support him are disappointed. I am personally disappointed that the Che decided to stand down. He has been a fantastic leader, an extremely hard-working person, and I would have wished that he stayed on to the end. So that's uh, Joe Osewusu, who called a press conference to dismiss the rumor and said that it was going to be unlawful, the plan to reach out for him. We have all angles to this particular story here on eyewitness news and of course labor agitations continue the striking university of um, university teachers association of ghana the ones at the university of environment and sustainable development branch are still angry and they say that the decision to embark on a strike would continue and they will not honor an invitation to the national labor commission which her commission has been trying to solve their problems. We have that story uh, here on Eyewitness News. We are live from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We also have business news coming up in 50 minutes and the latest headline. The General Agricultural Workers Union voices concerns over defunct 35 million Commander Sugar Factory. And of course, also on the Eyewitness News, we have an eye on a story where the Association of Oil Marketing Companies is asking government to prevent private refinery companies sent to you based in Tema to hold operations over standard issues. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. We are live across the globe on citynewsroom.com. We are on YouTube, that's CityTube. We are on Facebook, on a number of partner stations across Ghana in the western region. We are in Takradi on Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM. We are also in Takwa on Ajinpa 100.7 FM. In the Bono region, we are live on Greena 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu. In the Hohe Enclave, we are live on VOV Radio, 95.7 FM. In the northern region, we are on Radio Bimbila, 91.9 FM. In Upper East, we are on Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu. In Upper West, we are on Tongsung, 97.3 FM in Wa. And Jirapa, 96.1 FM in Jirapa. We are also on Twitter. You can send us a message there uh, using the hashtag X, uh, City Newsroom. Uh, the platform is now called X. You can also go on WhatsApp and drop a message 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. We start off with Parliament now. 
And uh, last night, Oseche um, Mensabonso, the Swami member of parliament, resigned his position as majority leader. He announced this in the presence of the president and key members of the New Patriotic Party. It happened at the Jubilee House. Uh, lots of things have been happening so far. And this matter uh, was preceded by a press conference by Joseph Osewusu, majority, no majority, um, NPP member and also first deputy speaker of parliament who had kicked against a plan to remove him. So this afternoon, we have some reactions to Joseph Osewusu, Oseche um, Mezabonsu's resignation. Akosia has a story. At the first deputy speaker of parliament, Joseph Osewusu has expressed disappointment at the decision by the majority leader, Oseche Mezabonsu, to resign from his position. Now, he announced his resignation on Wednesday amidst growing tensions in the majority caucus over reports of plans to replace him with the deputy majority leader, Alexander Penyomarking, in a leadership shape. Up. Or the first deputy speaker, Joseph Osewusu, has been interacting with journalists in parliament on the situation. It means is that the caucus will refocus and decide where to go. Were you at the meeting yesterday at the behest of the president? No. Why not? Because I was busy on something else. Do you believe the majority leader has been forced out by a scheme orchestrated by certain elements within your ranks? I don't have any such information. I've no I am personally disappointed that the Che decided to stand down. He has been a fantastic leader, an extremely hardworking person, and I would have wished that he stayed on to the end. What do you think? got him to do this because it came as a surprise to many, I'm sure, including you. So did it come to you as a surprise? Yes, it did. But as to what got to him, I'm sure we we'll better let him explain. What will happen moving forward? Today he was in the chamber. Initially, it means the changes have taken effect. Well, once he stood down, it means he's no longer the majority leader. But as to whether any change has happened or not, I don't have any information. Uh, I'm not aware that uh, any person has been either nominated or discussed or chosen by their side. There's well, a name out there, and that's Alexander Kwame the first name that got us into this story in the first place. That name is still there. How's it come up? <laughs> well, I saw that name before the weekend came, but it, at that time, Che was still the majority leader, so we'll wait and see. Is that fair that... The name is out there already, when indeed you had a leader. You make your judgment. I keep mine to myself. Uh, Moving forward, what will be the implications for your caucus? We are going to an election for barely 10 months. There's disruption. Do you agree? I'm sure moving forward, the caucus will discuss all the ramifications of um, the effects of our leader resigning and the process of selecting or electing a new one. We will discuss all that and if there are any implications that would have negative impact on our caucus. We may decide, uh, we may plan um, a route that will keep us together. If you are called upon to be the, be the new leader, will you, will, you, will, you, will you agree to step down from being first deputy speaker to be the leader since you are about the most experienced MP from the Ashanti caucus and among those who can likely lead the caucus? First. The reference to a scientific caucus is inappropriate. This is a majority caucus. 
Second, I'm not sure I'm the most experienced one, but I'm happy working as a deputy speaker and I have no desire to move to the uh, majority leadership position. That would have been a demotion? Huh? I don't think so. My responsibility would have changed, but I don't consider that a demotion. No. Now, the speaker, um, the outgoing or outgoing chairman, has been made chairman of the manifesto committee. The explanation is that he will have his hands full. Why I don't know that. I, don't, I haven't had discussion with him in that respect. I'd like to discuss this uh, with him the manifesto committee work versus. Uh, but the manifesto committee's suggestion or was made to him before he resigned. At that time, he had not contemplated resigning, so I don't think it would have caused any. Uh, defect in his work. As anybody of who has been close to him knows, he's extremely hard working and he can sit from morning to morning if there's work to be done. Finally, finally, Tay will be a floor member from now till January 7, 2025. Is that fair in your estimation? I leave that to your judgment. That he stayed on, but he opted to resign. So. How soon he led new leadership? Will, how will be the parties involvement in the election? We'll see. Now there's confusion being thrown into the interpretation of our standing orders, which we are so proudly touting that we have done by the speaker himself. So we will have to re-look <laughs> re at the interpretation. Uh, yesterday I spoke that I had an alternative interpretation. I understand the Honorable Attaché also spoke that he had a different and alternative interpretation. So we will look at the interpretation as contained in. But I, I, I certainly I can't see how you can interpret standing orders of parliament to bring in a party which is not a member of parliament. That interpretation I can't see where the basis of that and for me that is a confusion that has been thrown into the interpretation of the new standing orders by Mr. Speaker himself. I've spoken to a former Speaker of this House who wondered why the Speaker had to interpret this in the first place because there was no ambiguity. Nobody uh, do you have the same sense? Then why then did the Speaker interpret this when there is no ambiguity? I'm not sure you can call this an interpretation because an interpretation comes about when there's disagreement as to the meaning of a particular clause or order. There was no such thing. I thought the Honorable Member for Tamale North was making a comment in jest. So uh, the Speaker's opinion could, should not and could not be called an interpretation. He's only offering an opinion and that's why if it were an interpretation, uh, I wouldn't have had the courage to, or even the opportunity to offer an alternative one. But as to opinions, his opinion is different from mine. As to the meaning of that, it's different from that of the Honorable uh, Atacha and Respecter. He grounded it, he grounded it on, finally on this. He grounded it on Order 5, which says any provision that doesn't touch on anything at all that happens. The pro I, 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 I do not think it's appropriate to discuss that. What is important is that in this case, there's spe there are specific provisions, definition of who the leader is and so on. So uh, I think he only offered his opinion as to whether. That's why I said 
had an alternative opinion, and Honorable Atachian also offered an alternative opinion. But unfortunately, you media men have captured the speaker's opinion as if it is interpretation of the standing orders. That is not the case. A political party, yes, but the political party offers me the ticket to seek election in a constituency. The constituency is part of the country. Then we are here to make laws for the country and interpreting what the law means. It's not only the party's uh, position or interest that should influence what you think. Even at the party's level, we argue, we disagree and agree before we reach a consensus. So there's nothing wrong with having different interpretations to what uh, a clause or otherwise. That was Joseph Osehusu, he's Member of Parliament for Bekwai and first Deputy Speaker of Parliament. Interesting there. So he's a man who uh, first um, rose to support uh, Osei Chairman Sabonzu when there was a plan to oust him. Now Chairman Sabonzu himself has um, abandoned the chip uh, of leadership of the majority side. Joe Osehusu not happy at all. Uh, he was speaking there to journalists in the House of Parliament, including our own good evening so good um first of all before this interview uh, I'm sure all of you in the press gallery were anticipating the entry of uh because the resignation happened last night and then he was coming into the house today as an ordinary member how how did it happen? Well, so we are in the chamber today when we saw the former majority leader, if I should put it that way, or say Chairman Sabunsu, making an entry into the chamber. What we were expecting uh, was to see whether indeed he was going to occupy the black seat, which is designated for the majority leader uh, and then leaders of the caucuses in the House. But that didn't take place. Uh, he occupied the seat of the MP for Adansia Sokwa Katie Hammond for about 15 minutes or so and then subsequently he had some of the MPs. Oh, so he took, he took Katie Hammond's seat. Exactly. So he had some of the MPs coming to him to speak to him. Habib Idris who approached him. Obi Amo also approached him and then uh, some other MPs uh, who were having a tete-a-tete -tete with him where he was sitting. So later he decided to move to hit the black seat which is his original seat but when he sat down for less than a minute, he actually moved to first deputy speaker, Joseph Oseuzu, where he sits. He wasn't presiding at the time. It was the speaker himself, Alban Bagbin, who was presiding. So he moved to his, his seat, had an interaction with him as well, before he came back to his black seat to sit down for less than five minutes. And then he exited the chamber. Oh, so he actually, so they convinced him and he came to occupy exactly. his seat. So he later moved from Katie Hammond's seat and then came to the black seat. But Katie Hammond was not in the chamber by yeah, then. At the moment. So the seat was vacant and he yeah. took that seat. Exactly. And then he later came to sit on the black seat. But uh, his deputy was not there. Yeah. Afenyo Makin was not there. No, Afenyo Makin was in the house. Was the chief whip there? The chief whip, no. Was Frank Anadon was also So it was only um, Habib and um, his deputy. So what happened was that this morning, you know, over... Within the last few days, we've had rumors of a possible shake-up uh, with a list coming out. And uh, part of this list is the Member of Parliament for Sifia Contombra, mm -hmm. that's uh, Alex Tate Jonobua. Mm -hmm. So he was actually uh, sitting 
on the seat of the first deputy majority whip, that's Lydia Sarah Malassan. Oh, he has so, already taken position. Yes, since morning he's been on that seat. Mm -hmm. And during proceedings, we saw the uh, first deputy majority whip, that's Lydia Sarah Malassan, also appear in the chamber in an attempt to have a seat, but that didn't take place. We don't know what exactly the interaction was, but then they were having a tete-a-tete -tete as well. And then later, he, she also moved from there, but she couldn't occupy the seat that was uh, designated. Did she walk out well. or she went to another seat? She went to another seat. That was close to the one that she used to sit on. So Lydia Al-Hassan did not take her seat as deputy whip. Exactly. But uh, Habib was sitting there. Habib was there. And uh, Anodon Pre was not there. Yeah. Okay. So that's how, what happened at the majority. Exactly. And then um, Osei Chairman Sabonso comes in and then takes his seat temporarily and then steps, steps out. Steps out. He didn't come back again. No, he didn't. So what happens is that mostly he would move from the chamber to his office. Mm -hmm. But today, he didn't park at where the leaders often park their vehicles. Okay. So he parked at the entrance of parliament. So he used the back door, that is the exit, and then straight from there, he moved out. He moved out. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so it means that everything showed that he was no more the leader. Exactly. Did the speakership or the speaker say anything? speaker didn't make any comments on it today. And we are uh, expecting that. Uh, based on a formal communication from the party, thus, if the reshuffle is to take place, he would then make that pronouncement in the house. The minority side, though, they were all ordered, uh, yes. the leaders were there. Yes, they didn't say anything, at least not in the chamber. No, nothing was said about it. Interesting. That. And you couldn't get a comment from Osechi after so that. So, when he exited the chamber, all the members of the press corps actually rushed down to the foyer in anticipation to have a word from him. But uh, just as I indicated earlier, he used the back door, so we couldn't actually get him on time. And what he, the only statement he made to us was that he will speak to us tomorrow. I see. Interesting. Yes, so we are expecting that tomorrow he will make some pronouncements on this. So the house agenda today, they will be back tomorrow. Exactly. And to then, and then if the announcement is made today, then we we'll know who is going to occupy the black seat tomorrow. Exactly. The case. Interesting. Uh, but you said Alex was also not in the chamber. So we, Alex Tete was there. No, Alexander Penyomaki was Martin not there. Wasn't around today. I see. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's sure. Niyakwe Okai. He's our correspondent in Parliament. Uh, meanwhile, the minority MPs have been reacting to this. Let's listen to them. As things stand now, it seems to me that um, the revolt that was beginning is the reason why he decided to step down. But he will go down in history nonetheless as one of the very thorough, you know, members of parliament that we have ever seen in the Fourth Republic. I mean, his attention to detail and his contribution to legislation cannot emphasize. And I wish the new leadership the very best of luck. Uh, let me also state that Afenyo has enough experience. At least I came to parliament with Afenyo and the Chief Parliament and he has demonstrated his ability to be able to do what is supposed to be done by a leader. I think that uh, Honorable Anodompre, he has been a leader for some time now. Honorable Habib, even though he came first, but he's learning too fast. You know, so I think there won't be much, you know, problem as far as the majority caucus in parliament is concerned. What is significant is that it is much ado about nothing. Nothing is going to change. The mess has been created by the entire government. Whether they have changed new leaders or not, it's just like putting vortic water in a bottle of wine, expecting the water to turn to wine. It can't be wine. Now, Stamali Central Member of Parliament, uh, Murtala Mohammed, ending uh, that soundbite from 
NDC MPs who have been reacting to uh, the uh, resignation of Oseche Mensabonso as majority leader. We have more reactions, don't we, Akosia? Yes, the executive director for the African Center for Parliamentary Affairs, ASEPA, Dr. Rashid Raman, has expressed shock at the resignation of the majority leader. Now, speaking to City News, he said that this is the first time a leader is resigning from the House in the history of Ghana's parliament. Majority leaders don't resign. So, I mean, for me, this came as a big surprise to me. And if we piece all the events that unfolded in the last four days, then there's perhaps only one conclusion, that he was forced to resign and was forced to do something that is the first in the history of our parliamentary democracy, I mean, at least in this fourth republic. Because what I know is that when leaders are going to be changed, and they have been changed over the years, there is consultation, there is discussion between the party and the caucus. And some kind of consensus is arrived at in terms of who leads the caucus. Uh, but this is a first for me. And uh, and I'm not sure that is a beautiful end to a very sterling career in, in, uh, in parliament for, for the leader. Meanwhile, the ASEPA boss wants the party to engage its members in parliament to mend any cracks. For me, if, if I look at, you know, uh, the key thing that they need to keep in mind is that, you know, they are trying to do something as a party that no party has been able to do in this country, break the eight. At this point in time, uh, you know, the, the the key thing that the party has to be doing is to reinforce the unity that exists within their ranks, inside parliament, outside parliament, at the grassroots level. Um, this is not the time to do anything that will create division or that will bring about some cracks. But that's exactly what they did. So now they have to move very quickly to mend these cracks. I know it's a political party, and most of the time the supreme interest of the party sometimes uh, comes into play and cool heads could prevail. But I think all depends on how this is managed, the kind of statements that come from the party, you know, the way, uh, you know, MPs that are known to have been unhappy about this, how they are managed. Dr. Rashid Rahman is executive director of the African Center for Parliamentary Affairs. So that's what is happening in Parliament. Uh, but this is part of a general governance structure of the NPP. It wants to break the eight, and we are told that this is all part of the plans to execute the Dr. Mahmoud Baumia agenda of breaking the eight for the NPP. But there are views this may be problematic for the party. Dr. Kwame Asasanti is a political science. Uh, is a lecturer at the Political Science Department of the University of Ghana. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, good evening. So the party is strategizing, but it appears the strategy may not be popular with some people. Should the party be concerned about what views other people hold? A last minute, we've seen 
injury time reshuffle in government. Now we are also seeing injury time reshuffle in front of uh, the bench or the, the front bench of the majority in parliament. Does it look good for a party in power? Oh, obviously, those type of activities are not anything one can pride himself of. They are not good, so to speak. Um, but uh, once you have such problems, there is a need to find a way out to that problem. And what is the way out here? The way out is to ensure that whatever decision that the party takes, whether the party itself or it corpus in parliament, any decision that they take should be the supreme interest, should be in the supreme interest of what the, 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 the people who support the party. So I would have expected the leadership of the party and the caucus to have had a tete-a-tete um, over the issue and then um, iron out their differences so that they come out with a decision that everybody uh, will be proud of and everybody will be ready to defend that decision when it comes under attack. In parliamentary democracy, consensus building is key to everything. So if you want to take a decision that is going to affect everybody, uh, stakeholders in that exercise must be called upon to have their views aired. And then you take into consideration what is it that you have under your sleeve, your sleeve that you want to share. When you are able to do this thing successfully, a decision is reached and members will go, uh, will support that decision or kick that decision out. Whatever is born out of that process is what we call the consensus. And that is the spirit behind every democratic enterprise. At this point in time, you expect a party that wants to work, break the eight, a party that is struggling uh, to make sure that it is able to what, administer to the satisfaction of its people, a party that is uh, struggling uh, in terms of how it can honor the numerous promises that it has given to its people. At this point in time, this is a party that uh, the odds are against the party, and the party really want to come out strongly and then win power. Then it doesn't need this. It doesn't need it at all. It's needless, so to speak. But I don't think it's a daunting tax. If they really want to address this problem, it's a very simple matter. Let them bury their differences, get master the courage to sit around a table and discuss it. And there will not be any problem whatsoever. Interesting. Now, we know that the MPP has a history of going into elections limping in terms of administration so that in 2016 when the party was going to the polls it went without a national chairman a general secretary and a vice chairman and i'm referring to paula foco Kabna japon and um, uh, for, forgive me the the vice chairman's name has just escaped me there these yeah. these three personalities were not there but they went ahead to win and they won with a huge margin could that history be what they rely on to say that no matter what they do, uh, they can still win because they have a history of winning? 
Oh no, they can't say that. <laughs> I mean, anybody who would think along these lines, I'm not sure you are in tune with the realities of the situation. You can't be lucky all the time. <laughs> I mean, so is it a case that you want to plunge a peaceful party into chaos and that you know that you always leverage on chaos to win power? So that's what you want to do. I mean, uh, it is far-fetched. Uh, it's not how they think. I think uh, what, from where I sit, what I see is that they realize that there's a need to change the leadership of parliament. There's no doubt about that. But how to go about it is what has brought all this what, uh, mess. Uh, but I think that it is something that is doable. It is not outside their reach. Uh, they should be able to handle this thing. They have complete resolution mechanisms within the party. They can employ them. They have well-meaning poor people within the party. They can help them. But I want each of the entities, and here I'm talking about the party and the, 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 the corpus, to realize that their interest is one. There is nothing more than one interest that they are looking for. Their interest is what? Maintain power throughout, right? And if that is their interest, I don't want to see any of the entities working against one another. Otherwise, then it becomes counterproductive. Uh, if you read the, 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 the new standing order, standing order five says that uh, the caucus uh, will elect their leaders. Yes, that is true. But remember, the caucus was born out of a political party. So the party is the one that gives the caucus oxygen. So uh, in spite of the fact that this is what the hands are, sorry, the, the standing orders say, I expect that they will what, work uh, together. That is the caucus and the party to take all the important decisions. Remember, when they were coming to, uh, they won power and they were coming to elect their leaders and all that, the, the party took that decision. So there's nothing that you can do minus the party. And the vice versa is also true. So if you believe in this simple principle that one cannot work without the other, then it is uh, fair to say that at all points in time, the two entities, the party and the caucus, must work together. After all, their interest is one. Unless, of course, there's somebody who wants us to believe that uh, one of the groups have different interests other than the other one. Uh, if that is the case, then it's a different conversation. But you and I know it is not. Mm -hmm. So whatever they do, they should be able to uh, sit around the table and discuss their issue and find solution. Mm. Very well. So uh, the name I was looking for, Sami Krab, the vice chairman of yeah, the yeah. party at the time, that's the name I was looking for. Now, finally, the NDC did a similar thing, a shake-up of the parliamentary leadership. There were protests but that seems to have seemed down, even though people think that there's still some anger within about how the party was planning to control the parliament. Now, the MPP is doing this in an election year. Uh, it is in accordance with the ruling of the speaker. Do you think they have enough time to heal? And that's if there's even any wounds to be healed before the election from the from the front or the, from the parliament side. Again, the point has been made that Oseche is not returning to Parliament. Allow him to, you know, concentrate on his retirement plans. Get someone who is hungry for power to lead the bench, who 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 would be really interested in not only winning his seat but ensuring that he wins a lot more seats for the for the MPP and again leads the charge in executing key issues for the government. 
in this last uh, or 11th hour of the government. What's your perspective on that before we go? Yeah, when you look at the two issues that you cited, that of the NDC and what? The um, the NPP. The NDC issue, uh, the circumstances are not the same. All right? But time will not allow us to go into all the details. But the circumstances are not the same. That is why the party took the position, the position that it took. In addition to that, there was no, at uh, that time, the new standing orders have not come into what? Uh, into a practice. So they have not invoked that standing order. So the party will get away with murder if you want to put it that way. But this time around, there is what? A new standing order that says that this is the direction. And then out of that, there is, seems to be uh, unclear meaning of what contains in the provision. So the speaker has come out with what he thinks, uh, telling people that if you think uh, you are not in favor of what I said, you know what to do by going to court. If you look at what people are saying, that yes, they want to clear payments abounds who already will not be part of the next parliament and to give it what a hungry, uh, look, power-looking uh, person, you know, then obviously you want to say that Yes, men's um, abounds to be declared, and then um, the minority, the deputy majority leader will take over, and the rest of them. All those things are part of the rumor, and that is, uh, you know, trading within the the, the the political landscape. But the reality is that the party, at the point in time, has realized that there's a need to make changes within uh, the, the the parliament, and that. Uh, for me, you cannot fault the party for that. You can only fault the party when you believe that the party should have consulted, should have what involved the caucus into taking that decision. Yes, uh, I think that is the, the what ought to be done. But uh, whether Chairman Sabunzi is in Parliament or he's outside Parliament, I am sure he will continue to serve the party faithfully. Uh, with all his heart and all his mind, because this is a gentleman who has spent a lot of time with his party from the, do the days of uh, Mensah, Abraham Mosedu, and all that, learning the ropes to the extent that he has what perfected his act and has endeared himself to the hearts of many within the party and outside the party. I'm not sure that they intend to embarrass him or they intend to create a wedge between him and then the rest of the party, the caucus members, and the, uh, anything you can think of. But the way that um, thought of the party to change, you know, bring a new leadership uh, was not handled well, and that has brought this. Uh, so the way out, I believe, is what I have said, that yes, better late than never, they can still call a meeting between the party and the caucus, and then decide this. Once they do that, there shouldn't be any problem uh, any problem that they have is different. It is true that they are in a difficult situation to go and campaign, given the economic mess we find ourselves, and some of them attributed to them. Uh, they need to convince Ghanaians beyond reasonable doubt that, that, look, when given opportunity, they will not, uh, you know, throw Ghanaians into that difficult situation. Two, they should be able to honor all the promises that they have given, for which reason people stood on that and voted for them massively, right? 
they should be able to make sure that there is hope for people who look forward to receiving employment and other opportunities from them to make a livelihood in the political system they find themselves. They need to be able to satisfy that. And then beyond that, all other things that they said, which made it attractive for okay. the election, for, the, for them to win the election, they should be able to handle all these things. This is a tall order. So if you want, um, you know, uh, light issues like this to come and weigh you, then, then you are not ready or hungry enough for power. But I know uh, that all these things can be handled. For me, it's not a difficult thing. It's a, a storm in okay. a cup of tea. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kwame Asante there. He's a lecturer at the Political Science Department of the University of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Before we go on a break, uh, there's some information that's coming through from the Accra Tema motorway. A, a motorist has just sent us something he's observed, uh, also added a video, and uh, I just want you to listen to the disturbing news he's sending us from the Tema motorway. Listen to this. Yo, bro, I know say by now you go, you be on air, but there's, there's something interesting. I just, I just saw on the motorway. I've sent you a video to, to, to alert you on it. So there's this track, there's this long track that has just skidded off the motorway around the the, the underbridge, the Ashama underbridge, the the connection between the Ashama and that of Klagon. and then they've marked. The, 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 the spot where I think the, the point at which the car skidded off the road into the bush and they've placed a big stone on the mark and I believe that the intention is that so cars don't pass on the mark and it, so that it doesn't wipe off but Charlie it is getting dark on the motorway there are no street lights and so if oncoming vehicles from Accra are coming and they are not careful there's a, there's a likelihood of any vehicle crashing into that stone that has been used to cover the marking on the motorway and it stands now i'm not seeing any police or any authorities around to ensure that vehicles coming from the across side of the of, of the motorway into tema are being warned or are being noticed to be very careful when they are approaching that side of the motorway you're welcome back. Let's do some more stories. The Health Committee in Parliament is backing calls by stakeholders in the education sector for a total reassessment of all health centres in senior high schools across the country. All this comes after the death of two senior high school students in separate incidents due to alleged negligence by school authorities. On speaking to City News, a member of the Health Committee in Parliament, Alexander Roosevelt, says there is a need to resource health centres to be able to cater for such eventualities. The behavior of some students is making most of the school authorities to be very reluctant when it comes to granting them as yet to go home whenever they claim they are sick. Uh, some of the authorities are so fed up that they've been made to think that some of the students use sickness as a basis to leave the school campuses. So most of the time when those things happen, they find it reluctant, they are referred to the school clinics where at least the facility is not up to standard to cater for them. And this has secondly led to the death of some of them. So what we should do is that we should we have to reassess 
the clinics or make a very comprehensive effort to ensure that those places are well resourced so that in the event that school authorities think that a student who claims is sick might not necessarily be sick, they could equally get the attention that they will get at the hospital in the school. That was a member on the Health Committee of Parliament, Hotoji Alexander Roosevelt. Now the Ghana Nurse and Midwife Trainees Association has justified the reason behind the mass migration of nurses from the country in search of greener pastures. Well, according to the Ghana Health Service, a total of 3,688 health personnel have left the country within the last three years. Well, this significant gap between skilled personnel and growing patient demands in various hospitals left an adverse impact on these operations of the facilities. Well, speaking to City News, President of the Ghana Nurse Midwife a Trainees Association, Pascal Edumbisa, said the government must prioritize the needs of workers in the sector. We are in a country that we don't place much priority on the nursing and military profession. And these are the people that hold the health care of our country in the future at this home. And then we are in a country that does not honor its heroes, it's not worth dying for. So I think that as an association, we have had this severely with court on government and other stakeholders that they should place much priority on the health sector, such that we will not have much backlog. Because 2020, we have a backlog, we still in the house. 2021, they have just finished their national service, they are in the house. 2022, they are currently doing their national service. 23, uh, are waiting for their results to join the service. So if we want to retain the net, the skillful nurses we have in this country, the skillful midwives we have in this country, yet we are not employing them. Every day you see them on social media, we see them. It, it is so appalling that you see health professionals have to come on social media in the design to go on. So as an association, we think that if the government wants us to retain the qualified nurses that we have, with their expertise for our own sake, that the future of our country does not run into a jeopardy, then the government, as well as other stakeholders of relevance, should prioritize employing the nurses. Pascal Edumbisa is president of the Ghana Nurse and Midwife Trainees Association. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTF. And let's go back to our first story for the night, in which story has been running for the past few days. And there's breaking news th- coming through a confirmation of what we have been reporting in the past. The majority shakeup uh, following the resignation last night of Osage Chairman Sabonso as majority leader, the New Patriotic Party has reconstituted its front bench and uh, these are the new leaders of the npp in parliament alexander apenyo Markin, uh, who is member of parliament for efutu also known as elmina is the new majority leader uh, alexander apenyo Markin, currently deputies uh, majority leader has been elevated to be the majority leader of the house and by effect also the leader of the house he will be deputized by patricia apj who is member of parliament for Asqua, former Kumasi boss, Kumasi mayor. Uh, so Patricia Piaget becomes deputy to Alexander Fenyo Markin. Now, the chief whip position is unchanged, and Sawam Adwejiri, member of parliament, Frank Anodompre, uh, remains as chief whip. Now, first deputy chief whip uh, is the Tolon member of parliament, Habib Idrisu, and this is because um, uh, it's a position he's always been holding. Now, the position of deputy uh, Chief Whip is vacant because uh, 
The Honorable Lydia Sarah Malassan has been made a minister for sanitation and water resources. She would be replaced with Alex Tete Jonobwa, who is Member of Parliament for Seri Akontombra. Seri Akontombra. So that is the new leadership of the MPP side in Parliament. Alexander Fenyomakin, Majority Leader. Patricia P.A.J., Deputy Majority Leader. Frankano Dompre, uh, the Majority Chief Whip. Habib uh, Idrisu, the first deputy chief whip, and Alex Tete Jonobua, MP for Sahira Contumbra, as the second deputy chief whip. You can go to our website, citynewsroom.com. Uh, the details of this particular story are up there. Let's talk about the energy sector now. And uh, the National Petroleum Authority has given a directive to Chinese-owned Centio Oil Refinery to suspend the sale of petrol consignment on the Ghanaian market. Sentio was opened a few weeks ago by the president, Nana Adodan Kwakufado. The company is actually just some 500 meters from the Tema oil refinery. Let's go to the, the National Petroleum Authority and speak to um, Ubaidallah Said, who is the head of quality control at the National Petroleum Authority. Ubaidallah, you are welcome to Eyewitness News. Apologies, I've lost uh, Ubaidallah. We'll try and get him. But there are other stories that we have focused on here in the City Newsroom. Akosia. Other leadership of the University of Environment and Sustainable Development Branch of the University Teachers Association of Ghana, UTAG, is announcing its decision not to honour the, invita the invitation of the National Labour Commission. All this comes after the association declared an indefinite strike effective Tuesday, February 20, 2024, due to the government's failure to disburse their online teaching support allowance. Or the National Labour Commission NLC sent a letter to the association yesterday scheduling a hearing on the ongoing dispute. Or the union has been requested to appear before the commission on Wednesday, February 28. Or speaking to City News, the president of UTAG at the University of Environment and Sustainable Development Branch of UTAG, Dr. Owusu Fojo Edu, affirmed the association remains steadfast in its decision to continue with the strike. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. A quick uh, correction there. I described uh, Efutu as um, Elmina. Apologies, I meant to say Winiva. Uh, that's where the majority leader, Alexander Fenyo Markin, is member of parliament for. But let's go back to the Sentio issue. Uh, Ubaidallah Said is the head of quality control at the National Petroleum Authority. He's joined us on the line. Say, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Omar. What has Sentio done? Good evening, once again, my brother, and thank you to all your cherished listeners. Uh, Sentio have done a lot of things, but uh, obviously, uh, for the, some days now, there are issues in respect of the uh, some consignment of petrol that they have supplied to the market, which later we found out through our uh, internal checks that the pressure was higher than what was stated in the quality certificate and as required in the Ghana standard. So we had to suspend sale of the product. But that not that was not until some station had taken consignment of the product. Uh, we did a follow up because it's about the pressure of the uh, petrol. Some stations were doing well, and some 
particularly in the late afternoon when the temperature is hot, had issues with pumping the product through their pumps. So that is a basic uh, recap, if I should put it that way, of what has come off central lately. Do we know if this was deliberate or inadvertent? Well, we are still having a discussion with them as to what actually led, because uh, the normal uh, modus operandi of the NPA quality assurance system is that we grant you approval based on the certificate, the values on the certificate. Then we follow up randomly to then do a physical check just to ascertain that indeed the reported quality on the paper is what it is. And in terms of petrol, we have 20 parameters that have to be tested for according to the Ghana standard GS-140-2023. And when we check, we have one of the main parameters, which is how to do with the pressure of the fuel, uh, having two points more than the requirement and what was stated by Central Security. And that has been the bone of contention. But we've been able to go to other alternative labs, and it's like it has confirmed our figure. So we don't know whether it was deliberate or it was a testing error, but we have suspended the sale of that particular product and management is still considering. Particularly, we are looking at any other, all the filling stations that have been affected to be able to get a total outlook and come and make a, a, a very meaningful conclusion on the issue. So currently, you don't know the volumes that are out there? No, we know the volumes, but the fact is that some stations receive the product, they don't have any problem. So it's not like you take the product, you can't use it. Some stations had product, a problem in the afternoon. The next morning, when the temperatures were down, then they are okay. So it's not like it's total unwholesome. But uh, if you go to abroad or the west, they have two grades, some for summer and some for winter. So this would have been a best fuel for winter when the temperature is cold. So it has issues when your temperatures are high. And particularly, it affects the pump, the ability of the station pump to pump. But other than that, stations, a, lot of, a number of the stations have received the product and they do not experience any problem. So this is a problem for the pumps at the fuel stations. Does it also affect my vehicle? No, not exactly. We, if we have monitored the situation, theoretically, we don't expect it to affect vehicles, but yet we are monitored. It hasn't come to any our attention that it affects anybody's vehicle. So for now, is this a challenge between uh, Centio and the OMCs that it applies to? Yes. When it you say you have directed them to suspend, um, how long before you fit in to allow them proceed? Well, it's a consignment that we spend. So what it means is that if they have product, you know, the petrol is done by mixing different streams of uh, uh, like-minded uh, products to get a final blend. So it's not like a one-stream product. So you do mixing in the refinery state to get to a state. So if they can recorrect it into a state that is that will meet the requirement, it can be so subsequent. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's uh, Ubaidallah Said, who is the head of quality control 
at the National Petroleum Authority. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. On Point Blank tonight, we'll be hearing from Abraham Ose Edu. He was majority leader in the House of Parliament on the ticket of the MPP representing the Tema West constituency. He spoke to Hansen Najiman. But before then, we have business news coming up next. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Welcome to the City Business News and Eyewitness News brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB personal loan make that big move and dream a reality. I am Akosi Ocho. Let's settle for details of our stories now. The General Agricultural Workers Union, GAWU, is voicing concerns over the defunct 35 million city Commander Sugar Factory, labeling it as a wasted investment for Ghana. Well, according to the union, after thorough assessments, it appears unlikely that the factory can be revived. Well, the General Secretary of the Union, Edward Karewe, earlier who spoke to City News, demanded transparency in the operationalization of the factory. Away from that, the Center for Environmental Management and Sustainable Energy has highlighted the challenges hindering the effective implementation of the cylinder recirculation model. Or the energy think tank notes that despite the awareness of the model's objective, most consumers have not witnessed the existence of cylinder exchange points in their communities, with the majority continuing to procure their LPG from traditional filling stations. Or providing insights on the findings of the research on the subject, director for the center, Benjamin Insian, revealed that concerns related to cost have impeded the establishment of cylinder exchange points. The, the first recommendation, uh, which I think that will be of uh, priority, uh, is the, how to deal with the cost. And I think that uh, government should give uh, some uh, corporate tax waivers uh, to these LPG marketers and direct them to use these uh, tax deals or exempted uh, to diversify and then uh, get these exchange points within our communities. I think that when we give these uh, exchange, we give these tax waivers, at least uh, these revenues could be used uh, to build new exchange points within the community to make sure that this particular uh, 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 program uh, becomes effective. That was Benjamin Insia, who's the director of the Center for Environment and Management and Sustainable Energy. Well, the Association of Ghana Industries, AGI, is appealing to government to incentivize the private sector with the introduction of tax rebates to be able to hire more highly skilled women. Well, the association's comments come on the back of recent data from the 2023 Annual Household Income and Expenditure Survey Quarter 3 Labor Statistics Bulletin from the Ghana Statistical Service. Well, according to the data, over 11,000 females, more than males who have attained higher education remained unemployed between the first quarter of 2022 and the third quarter of 2023. Or speaking to City Business News, the Great Accra Regional Chairman for AGI, Chonam Akbelo, called on government to heed to their request. The general pay levels in our economy is extremely low compared to what you'd have been getting somewhere else with the same uh, skill sets and and the, the work levels, and so as a result, most people 
receive low wages and salaries. And this affects the household's spending and, and, and household you know, ability to buy the things we produce. So it's, it's a more complex situation than it would appear because every step must be taken to increase wage level by our employees, especially women. What needs to be done really is to help expand, is for government to incentivize our industrial participants, mainly through taxation, by incentivizing industry with tax rebates, purposely to ensure that the pay levels goes up. Chana Makpelo is Greater Accra Regional Chairman for the Association of Ghana Industries. Now let's wrap up with tax analyst Francis Timoboy, who has cast doubts that the finance minister's intention to visit ports will significantly resolve revenue leakages at the port. Francis Timoboy rather expects the minister to take a decision that will eradicate the root causes of the perceived corruption with a specific focus on the excessive number of taxes imposed. Now, he says a mere visit to the port might not suffice in curbing corruption. I think it's very good, but for me, going there alone is not the solution. If you go there today and you leave and come to your office, will that solve the problem? No, we need more to be done. People evade taxes at the port because the taxes at the port are too expensive and the tax lines are many. We are aware that the government is trying to do some, you know, reform to ensure that taxes at the port, you know, get to the barest minimum. So I think that after visiting the place, we need to go back and, and implement the reform that has been proposed at the port. You have the tax analyst Francis Timor Boy speaking there. Well, that's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan. Make the big move and dream a reality. I'm Akusi Autre. Up next is Point Blank. Hello, Linda. You won't believe what I am planning next. I want to start my postgraduate degree, buy a car, and build my dream home. But you know what's stopping me? What's that, Mike? Monio, that be my biggest wahala. Oh, you are so to cry. With a GCB Big Move Personal Loan promo, you can borrow up to a whopping 400,000 Ghana cities at a significantly reduced interest rate in less than 24 hours. Like, seriously? How do I qualify? Yes, it's available to all GCB salary account holders. Plus, you get a two-month grace period before you start to pay back. Suskit, I'm opening an account with GCB now, now, now. Get a personal loan of up to 400,000 Ghana cities at a significantly reduced interest rate in less than 24 hours. Call 0800-422-422 or visit your nearest GCB branch today to fund your next big move as we celebrate 70 years of greatness. T's and C's apply. GCB Bank, your bank for life. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
City TV is live on DSTV, Go TV, and HD Plus. On DSTV, find us on channel 363. On Go TV, we're on channel 117. And on HD Plus, get us on channel 108. On a digital TV, run a new search. But take note that without an antenna, you cannot access City TV. City TV can be accessed on any free to air digital box like the Go TV and HD Plus boxes. City TV, it's your world. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. Tonight on Point Blank, we are going back to the House of Parliament. And if you are just joining us, the breaking news story is that Alexander Fenyomarkin has been designated as the majority leader. He will be deputized by Patricia PJ, member of Parliament for Asqua. The chief whip remains uh, Frank Anodompre, MP for Nsawa Madwejri. Deputy chief whip, the first deputy chief whip remains the Tolon Member of Parliament and the second deputy is the Member of Parliament for Sehri Akontumbra. Meanwhile, following Osechi Mensah's resignation as majority leader, we've been getting lots of reactions to that. Today, City News' Hansi Najiman went to sit with former Tema West Member of Parliament. He's a lawyer. He was a majority leader in the Kufor government. His name is Abraham Oseidu and spoke to him generally about parliament and uh, new information or the rancor that we saw following the decision to remove uh, Honorable Oseche Mensah Bonsu. Let's listen to that interview. Your, your, your good friend Oseche Mensah Bonsu, after years of you leaving politics, he ascends to the same position that you were in some time. But... Uh, resigned just yesterday. Did this come to you as a surprise? Yes, it did. It did. Um, and uh, most, most of because um, earlier, there had been some speculation you know, in the media that there will be an shuffle and that he will go to the foreign ministry. Yeah. I mean, personally, I thought that would hit parliament, you know, um, in terms of his stature, contribution, and also looking at the party's numbers in the house both NDC and NPP, having about the same number. So I thought to take out our best material, you know, um, out of parliament. I mean, foreign ministers never in the country. And then we'll have to admit the facts. One, 
to reduce our strength in terms of voting, and also um, the country as a whole and, uh, and the institution parliament will lose some enrichment, you know, because of its absence. So when that didn't come on, I was happy. Then yesterday also, um, I heard that he had stepped down and that as leader. But uh, I'm, I'm happy that he's still been in the country and be in parliament, at least for it, uh, the next couple of months, uh, until December or so. Um, uh, but I still... Uh, it doesn't yeah, uh, he'll still be in the country, but arguably he's the best uh, parliamentarian the NPP has now in the House. He moving away from leadership. Your second concern, does it still persist? It's precisely so, you know. Um, I wasn't even happy when he said he wasn't going to run again. Uh -huh. But um, I was consoled by the fact that he'll be there until December. And um, even though uh, he still remains an MP, manifesto writing is not a joke. And I foresee situations where he won't be in the house for many, many days because of the, the new assignment, you know. Uh, I, I, I hope that that didn't uh, the, 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 um, dampen the spirit of um, uh, the MPP members. Yesterday I had my friend, Mr. Avoka, you know, and he was very disappointed uh, by what has happened, yeah. Uh, do you think that is because he's not contesting again and perhaps the party and the campaign team of the flag bearer wants somebody who will lead the parliamentary team into the election who, is, who has some level of stake? I don't have the facts and I won't speculate. And, uh, but there's one thing I can say about Mr. Bonsu, you know. Uh, he's very brilliant. And um, asking him to write the manifesto or to chair the, um, that effort is where we did his uh, uh, competence. So maybe the party finds him uh, as uh, um, uh, they find better use for him or, or of him at this stage, you know. So I wouldn't speculate, but this is what I think. He is an all-rounder, you know. Um, people think he's a lawyer. I remember years ago, some MP came to me um, to do a case for her, a woman. And I said, no, oh, I wouldn't have the time. Then said, no, oh, then talk to Mr. Bunsu, you know. And I said, no, he's not a lawyer. I named some lawyers and said, no, no, I don't like this lawyer. I want Mr. Bunsu. It took me some effort to convince her that, look, Osei Che Mesebonsu is not a lawyer. You know, it's a, such an asset. I mean, no doubt about that. A lot of people yeah. are... So I believe that the party may have seen that in him, and then that's why they give him this assignment. Hopefully, he can combine that with his parliamentary assignments when necessary. Yeah. Do you think it's going to hurt the NPP in Parliament, this decision? His absence will definitely be so. Uh, will have that effect, you see. Uh, definitely, definitely. So he has to find a way of combining the two assignments. Um. Now, has it always, is this the first time, I mean, the, in, if you can remember, that a majority leader or a leader of a caucus is resigning? I think so, yes. I think so, yes. Um, but the issue is rather than that, you know, um, uh, what we need to discuss is not uh, just focus on Mr. Bonsu. Even though his... Um, uh, stepping down has generated a debate. You see, it goes beyond that. You know, what is the party's influence in appointing leaders of the house? What's the procedure? I think that's what we should be addressing. The Speaker of Parliament, um, he says the party should take the active role in selecting the leaders of the caucus. I heard that yesterday in the news, and I heard um, his deputy also make a speech. Eventually, the first said they were saying the same thing, and I hope that is it. Now, 
under the new uh, standing orders, sorry, the old standing orders, you see, uh, we have uh, the leaders. The majority leader is defined roughly as the member designated by the party or parties having most members. And then uh, the minority leader comes as the member designated by the party or parties, I mean, having the second largest numbers. Uh, you know. Now, under the new standing orders, this has, this has changed. Yes. You see? And then uh, the, the leaders, let's say we go to the majority leader, the definition is this, roughly. The, lead, the, the member designated by the caucus or caucuses, having the most numbers, the word party is out. They're saying that the new standing yes. order, to a certain extent, infers that the decision should be made by the caucuses. Definitely, you see, and it defines caucus as let's say, let's say roughly a group of members representing a party or a region or gender base. Uh -huh. So that we have female caucuses, uh, Ashanti caucus, Gang caucus, and then MP caucus. So the word caucus is defined. It doesn't include any party, and so clearly. By the, the new, going by the new standing orders, you see, the party's rule has been ousted previously because the old, the old uh, standing orders said the party or parties would, would not exercise. The MP, for instance, uh, our constitution gave the assignment to the National Council. When I was being appointed by the National Council, which has a, a certain uh, composition, including MPs, members of the executive, uh, and then others, uh, the National Council. But by the new uh, rendition, in the new standing orders, this has been changed. Do you think that any attempts to infer political party active participation in the selection will not be lawful in the face of the new standing orders? The caucus may, or I would say we must, may, just may consult the party. But the ultimate decision under the new standing orders should be by the, uh, we call the, the parliamentary group of the MPP. That's the party caucus. I hear that the speaker will give a ruling. Like I said earlier, he said he and the, his, his deputy were saying the same thing. I mean, so let's just hear what we say. So you, you think that the speaker ought to come again to clarify what so his view on this is? I think he said he will give a, a, a ruling on that matter. And before the, he even uh, ended that, um, uh, what he said yesterday, he said he and the deputy, um, Joe Weiss, were on the same um, wavelength or same page. So I hope that that's that, that the case. But in my view, the new standing orders completely ousted any attempt by the, the political party to foster a leader on the parliamentary group. What about the view that the speaker expressed that if you look at our constitution, political parties are supposed to take a certain national character. And if the political parties are involved in the appointment of leadership of the caucus, they will consider that national character. I mean, uh, can the caucus do the same exercise? I mean, what tells us that the caucus will not go by the constitutional provisions? I, I don't think that, that, that the caucus, I mean, we are being uh, party leadership in parliament. We always have that factoring, the caucus. We are very, very mindful about that. Very, very mindful that the leader, maybe the deputy leader, quips must come from different regions. You know, that's the, what the constitution says. But let me emphasize, I have no doubt in my mind that the new standing orders, I wonder when it was written, but I got a copy just last week, and I read it last week. Credits out the party's influence completely. So now we, the parties cannot say they have a right to decide who becomes a leader of, of any caucus. 
they are not they they are even not relevant in that exercise. To be blunt, is that so? Yeah, I mean, the uh, members are on the ticket of the party. Look, um, the Parliament sets its own rules, and Parliament has set these rules and procedures, and has decided to take away the parties. It is it is it is not uh, uh, possible or probable that the parties will not consult um, will not be in consultation with the leadership. But assuming the leadership decide, the, um, the, the members of Parliament decide to go alone, they'll be right, definitely right. But how practical is this? How? You see, this is the law as it is. If the law is not practicable, you change it. But as things stand now, as things stand now, I think the parties have been ousted in that exercise. Yeah. This brings the other conversation on, would this be a lasting solution to this problem? Because the NDC also faced a similar challenge and the npp we even saw joe weiss come out with a statement that the majority caucus is not contemplating any change in its leadership whatsoever do you think that the standing orders as you seem to understand it will be able to solve the problem no no the way it's what, what, the way it's carried you know creates um, um, some problem for everybody like i said earlier you, you can imagine um some parliamentary caucus choosing a leader without uh, consulting the party outside the party. You see, for instance, the majority leader has always be also been a cabinet minister as a minister for parliamentary affairs, you know, which is, a, which is um, uh, an elevation of that member by the president. And so, I mean, definitely there must be uh, some consultation. How can you treat somebody the president is not prepared to make a, a minister? So there must be a consultation, but like I said, by the uh, word of the new standing orders, I didn't write it. My understanding, the, uh, legally, legally, so legally speaking, the uh, caucus can choose a leader without consulting the party outside, you know, even though in practice that may never happen. But, but assuming they decide to do it, they'll be right. Do you think that the, uh, there's a need for a review of the new standing orders to specifically include consultation with the party? Well, um, they can, it can be done. You know, for instance, certain appointments are made by the president in consultation with the Council of State. They can reword it and say made by the caucus or by the party in consultation with the other. Perfect. But until then? Until then, the party has been asked. There has been a coup. <laughs> <laughs> this brings the conversation to Alexander Apenyon Markin. He came in later after you and uh, say chairman Samosa had been in parliament uh, what do you think his, his 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 influence and impact will be 10 months today yeah. uh, i follow him you no know, i watch parliamentary debates when i can have time on, on the tv you know and, and i've been following him i think he's a fantastic young man uh, um, honestly i think uh, he will have, he will have always been a worthy replacement for mr bonsu and I think uh, he can do a good job. I have no doubt about that. But would the mode in any way affect his impact? The mode of his replacement? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Some say it's because of election purposes. You've been a majority. By, by the way, did you leave voluntarily or? I lost, I lost my primary in 2008. 2008. So you didn't go back in 2012? I said I don't go back. <laughs> Interesting. But... If if you look at how this happened, right, will you, would people be fair to say that it's all for political 
uh, strategy purposes? I, I said, I don't speculate. I don't speculate. Yeah. Um, thank God, after yesterday's meeting, my friend said um, he stepped down voluntarily. And I'm happy that he has accepted the, the new rule you know, for, for the manifesto. As regards uh, what fortunes um, this change brings to the party, I cannot tell. Because uh, I would not be able to say that was the uh, objective. You know. But thank God, um, like uh, you said earlier, it also creates a certain uh, uh, national image in the scheme of things. You know. Let's assume, for instance, uh, he's a fan. I understand his father is an ever. Fantastic, very wonderful mood, you know, as, as our leader. I think it's okay. I will not go beyond that and say that, that thing. Finally, uh, since you don't speculate, but I'm sure that uh, you analyze things, and the NPP lost its majority that I had in 2016. It's going to a major election in 2024, seeking to break the eight and hoping to also win majority in parliament. Uh, considering the parliamentary primaries that have been done, I mean, in Tema here, uh, Tema is the NPP lost it in 2020. Was the, the gap reduced? What do you think may be the performance of the NPP in the country across both parliamentary wise? Um, sincerely, I think Dr. Um, Baumia uh, is a wonderful personality. And I believe when he says that it's doable to be the eight. And I can assure that the Tamamagin will rise again. Yeah. If I, if I knew candidates, it rise again. Um, we are looking forward to increase our numbers in parliament, and I think that's possible. Uh, looking at the way things are going, you know, Dr. Bauma's election speech was fantastic. I've been listening to it, the NDC um, um, uh, policy of a 24-hour uh, job creation. You know, I have my, a lot of questions about it. As I, 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 we all know some economics. You know, every 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 company that produces is uh, respond to demand respond to demand the market you know and that's very primary to this you know our markets have been taken over by cheap goods look at the um, cost of production you know so it's not be easy for us to um, in the next so many years create take over our local market you know and put that agenda through you know it's quite it's a figment twin for economy cannot be realized in the full scale as being uh, advertised it is already in, in, in play where it is possible, and that is where there's the demand. You know, where you cannot have the market, you can't produce. Can, you know? can the demand be induced? The, the, the demand cannot. The demand cannot be induced. The demand can be. The market can. Be, there's a market for everything in the country. The market might be taken away from the uh, importers, Important. you know, by making it competitive to produce those items here. You know, but that is a huge task. That's what they said they are going to do. Well, provide um, cheaper electricity, tax uh, rebate for some of these companies. Let's see how do you do it. Let's see how do you do it. How are you spending? I mean, it's been uh, how many years? Since 2008, you lost. Are you, are you still in active politics? Somehow, yes. Somehow you are. Yeah, you're still in active politics, but I should believe that you should be enjoying most of that time. Um, but what do you do these days? Oh, that's right. I come and sit in my office or I rest. Or if I have a party assignment, I attend to it. I, I'm on a few boards. I attend board meetings uh, regularly.
So that's Honorable Ibrahim Edu. He was Tema West Member of Parliament, also was Majority Leader on the MPP side at the time. Speaking to Hansen Ajiman for City News. And the conversation has to do with Oseche Mensambunzo's resignation as Majority Leader. We've been getting various views. We also spoke to Dennis Miracles Abwaji. He's the newly um, named campaign communications director for Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia. Jude Duncan of the City Newsroom sat with him to ask what the plan is with making Oseche Mensambunzo the chairman of the manifesto committee and also his resignation. People see the majority reshuffle, the majority leadership reshuffle as as compensation. Or let me say, let me rephrase the question to say, people see the appointment of Honorable Osei Sabonsu um, as committee chairperson as a compensation for the forceful removal, quote unquote, um, from parliament as majority leader. What's the campaign's official response to that? You see, first of all, if you look at the manifesto committee that was set up, and the list you have is just the chairman or the chairpersons of these committees. The committees are larger with members from diverse backgrounds, different, different people who are going to contribute their talent and skills towards you know, shaping policies and formulating policies for these, for these sectors. Honorable H.A. Mensah Bonsu, in this country, undoubtedly, is one of the people that hold deep knowledge in almost every sector in this country. Why? Because of his long stay in Parliament. Because everything we run as a country goes through Parliament. So he's basically seen it all over close to over two decades. Okay, over two decades. He's seen it all. And so I don't think there's anybody better pleased to, to lead the formulation of our manifesto than Honorable S.H. Amen Sabosu. I don't see why you are building conspiracies conspiracy theories conspiracy theories around the, the, the pushback again then is that we saw Joe also who come to parliament together with some other members of parliament majority of whom are on their way out of parliament and their concern was that they were satisfied with the level of leadership and that was at a time where rumors were rife about the, the leadership reshuffle in parliament so then again the, the concern is that he really didn't as he really wasn't comfortable with mm. so then why would why would the the second deputy speaker the first deputy speaker then come out to do that press that press conference the deputy speaker in that press conference say that they have not consulted the leadership in parliament and that they were busy and that he feels that they are the ones who are supposed to speak for them mm. so and in this case he honorable chairman so resigned himself so why are you not, are you not also building a conspiracy theory that is saying well maybe you are saying who didn't consult him when he was actually holding his press conference. So is, that too, is, that, is that official to say that George also didn't consult or say Chairman Sabonsu? I'm throwing your conspiracy theories to you because what you are saying is also not official. There is no official record that says that Honorable say Chairman Sabonsu was pushed out. That is just a conspiracy theory. And George Usu never said anywhere that he was also saying things that Honorable say Chairman Sabonsu had told him to say. You understand? And Changes in Parliament happen all the time. They, they happen, it could happen again tomorrow. It could happen the next day. So the most important thing is that you tone down your conspiracy theories and deal with what is transpiring. What is transpiring is that Honorable Seche Mensah has resigned from his position. And he never stated that he is resigning so he can come and pick up 
the responsibility of a manifesto committee. I don't think, I haven't seen him or heard him say that anywhere. So every other thing you are building is just your conspiracy theories and on rumors that you cannot substantiate anyway. And so you and I would only speak to the facts on the ground and the ones that we can substantiate. And the fact is that Dr. Mahmoud Baumia believes that Honorable Osei Mensa Bonsu is one man that has the capacity to be able to coordinate the um, formulation of a manifesto for the MPP going into election 2024, and that's exactly what it is. We heard the Member of Parliament for Subin, Eugene Bwachentri, for instance, speak about the fact that the new standing orders of Parliament, I mean, you are not in Parliament, but his point um, was to the fact that the, the new standing orders of Parliament did not allow for party interference in the selection of leadership for each side of, of the house, whether the minority or the majority caucus. Now, to see that this particular deci decision for him to step down was taken in the presidency. We saw videos and pictures of the president himself, um, Apeño Markin, who is being tipped to replace Osechi Mensa Bonsu, and other senior members of um, the party at the Jubilee House. Do you feel, or uh, what was the campaign? Yes, mm. Speakers ruling on that matter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the speakers ruling was very clear. Mm. The speaker's ruling was very clear. As a campaign, you support that stance. I'm not saying that. I'm just, you and I are having a conversation on matters of fact and law mm. and, and rules. Is that the case? And you are saying that there is a rule mm. that according to another member of parliament, the rule says, and I'm saying that, have you heard a ruling from the speaker? So what's your, what's, your what's your message to the dissatisfied members of parliament who feel that the correct procedure hasn't been adhered to. I haven't seen any member of parliament come out to say that he's dissatisfied with honorable Chairman Sabonsu saying that I have resigned. That's Dennis Miracles Abwaji, he's director of communication of the Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia campaign. He was speaking to Jude Mensa Duncan of the City Newsroom. My name is Umaru Sandamadu. This will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. I did this with Akosia Autry. Production by Kovna Wilson and Beverly London. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Daniel Anyoriga. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.